Okay, we are now rolling. Uh, I'm going to do this in my best Taylor voice. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesdays in Westeros. I am Todd A., and my co-host is... Oh, is that me? Do I that's, jump in? Yeah, that's Taylor Trask. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Taylor Trask is here. But it's not just me. It's I know. many others. Yeah, many others. Um, <laughs> so we are doing a, uh, a panel discussion wrap-up of Season 6 of Game of Thrones, and we are joined, um, firstly, by uh, Emily Kelly from the Assembly of Geeks podcast, and also she does um, Wrong Button Media. Uh, I, I think, Emily, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I have no idea how we initially connected over Twitter, but I know um, that I was in your On a Geekly Basis uh, column talking about geeky music three years ago. Yes, um, that's correct. Yes. Um, and so uh, uh, secondly, we have um, uh, Fia Novak, um, who joined me for a podcast uh, for the episode called The Broken Man, um, as, uh, as well as her brother-husband, uh, Brian. It's <laughs> um, a, Lan a Lannister term uh, and, a, and a Targaryen term. Um, yeah, so Brian and Fia are both here, and uh, and Taylor Trask, of course. Um, yeah. So we're just going to do a huge wrap-up of all things Season 6, uh, and uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, to keep Taylor and Brian in line. Um, <laughs> and we will and try just, our best to stop you, sir. I know. Good luck. <laughs> well, actually, my, my fear is that um, that everyone will just be too quiet because you think I'm going to like try to, to rein you in or something. Um, so don't be too quiet. Um, yeah, speak up wherever I wherever I leave a, uh, an emptiness. Um, so let's start with the uh, last episode, uh, which Taylor and I discussed at length on Sunday night as soon as we finished watching it. Um, so I just thought I'd throw this to Emily, Brian, and Fia. Um, and uh, the first thing I, I thought of talking about was, do, do you think Cersei miscalculated uh, Toman's reaction um, or did she just not care at that point? Did you know? Did she think he was going to take this in stride? Um, Emily, can I? Let's start with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I I think she did miscalculate a little bit. Um, I definitely don't think she didn't care. I, I, she did all this in her mind to save herself, but also to like save her child from embarrassment. Or to you know, she could she could have let him die. In, in the sept, but she didn't. So, but I, I definitely think she miscalculated how it'd react, and that's kind of on her because he's just like a little fragile flower of a child, right? And is just like not emotionally equipped to deal with any of that. And she left him alone, and like no, I, I think it was a surprise to her as much as it was to the rest of us. Well, when I rewatched the episode, I was the moment where you know the mountain just turns around and walks out the door. I, it was it seems so crucial now, you know. <laughs> when mm -hmm. I first watched it, I just thought, oh, it's you know, it's he's he's done right now. But but it you know, if he had stayed around, uh, maybe this tragedy could have been averted, and then uh, King Toman's peaceful reign would have triumphed. <laughs> um, Brian, Fia, do you do you, do you have anything to add there? Uh, well, uh, I think that she. I think there was a bit of miscalculation, but I think that she had, when Marcella died or was killed, 
I think that she kind of wrote off her kids at that point. Like there was a there was a changeover in her attitude where, oh yeah, this this prophecy is coming true. Right. Tom's gonna he's gonna die at some point. And yeah, she didn't you know actively send him to the to the sep to get blown up. But when you know she finds out that he's dead, she also isn't you know like on the floor screaming in a ball crying. She was just like, okay, show me him. Okay, this is done. It's almost like it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. She knew it was going to happen one way or another, and she had already kind of written him off in some way. I, it's horrible to say about your kid, but that's kind of what I took from it because she didn't react in the way that, like, especially as a parent, that you would react no matter how many children you've lost. If you lost another one, you would, especially your last one, you would mo- most likely be inconsolable, and she didn't even shed a tear at that point. Yeah. I think on the flip side of that, though, she probably... She's she loves to have control of the situation, so she wanted to control that situation. I don't think for a second she thought that he was going to jump out a window. Um, I and I think I definitely believe that she wanted to see him, you know, obviously for closure, but also to you know, kind of to I don't know. Just she seemed disappointed and frustrated at that moment like I thought she thought she had control she took her son out of a situation which would have killed him she killed everybody she despised and now she's got the upper hand he killed himself and now the joke is back on her yet again in that moment and I think that infuriated her we'll um, we'll get more on this in a second, uh, I'm sure, but Emily says, does Cersei becoming sort of the, I mean, she's the queen of the, the Seven Kingdoms. Does that fit in with the ladies doing it for themselves in Westeros theme that we're going to talk about? Yeah, for sure. That is like a prime ladies doing it for themselves in Westeros material. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I kind of wonder if she calculated the risk of losing uh, Tom in there and and just decided, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm in charge, it's okay. He's expendable. So. Can I, can I um, jump in real quick on that? Course, I, I don't want to get out of order or anything, but let me ask you this, because no. the biggest question I've had since that episode was, what was Jamie thinking? And I'm wondering more and more if, if you know, there was sort of an odd sense of pride, but I think it's, to me, after I watched it a couple more times, I think it was largely fear, and I think it was largely fear for his own self-preservation. Because I don't think I think he, now that she doesn't have any kids anymore, there's nothing to hold her back from doing anything. Um, I, and that's just me. But I'm curious what everybody else on the panel thinks. Like, what what was that interaction between those two? Because you could have read it any number of ways. I I took it as him. I think what you're saying is right. I think he was a little bit like, holy shit! Like she's gone off the deep end. Um, I don't think I can control her. Anything I do will really affect what she's going to do moving forward. She's now the queen. She's clearly taken some really drastic steps while I was gone. Um, and he's probably maybe even scared that he's going to have to do something about it, like what he did with the whole Mad King thing. It's like, am I going to have to take an action against my sister slash wife or whatever? Um, <laughs> you know, someone that he he's professed a great deal of love for, and obviously he's kind of focused on. So he was coming back with the intention of, okay, I've done what I needed to do. You know, presumably the mountain took care of the whole trial thing, and now we're free to once again be a couple. Mm-hmm. And that whole dream has been shattered. 
Yeah. Right. So I don't. I don't. I think he has no illusions about what he's come back to is entirely different than what he left. Yeah. And yeah. and maybe that's where the fears from is because that's really all he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially because we got that that long discussion um, between not only I mean there was one between him and Brienne and then also with Edmure about his children. Oh yeah. The very next episode he he loses his children, or maybe two episodes later. Um, right. Yeah, so then I, I'll bring up something uh, Brian texted to me today, which was uh, during the uh, King in the North chanting session, um, we see uh, Sansa and Littlefinger exchange a glance, um, and Brian and I were wondering, is this a, uh, was this a can-you-believe-this-shit kind of moment wh- where Sansa thought she might be the queen? Um, uh, Brian, you want to ex- expand, expand on that? Well, I will say that I watched it again tonight, and I didn't get quite as much out of it as I did the first viewing. So I, okay. I thought I thought I read into it more. But I will say that she has mentioned it a couple times where it's like, oh, I've got the Stark name. Oh, you're a bastard. And she, Sansa has been to John like she hasn't been nasty about it. But there were some passing moments where she kind of points out that she is the Stark one. And so for me, I was just like, because Littlefinger's sitting there, he's not chanting, he's not really reacting, but he's just kind of glaring at her. And then she didn't look back at him like necessarily with like disdain, like, hey, fuck you, buddy. It was more like a, huh. Like, I don't know, I read something in it that was more communicative than it was like a, hmm. like a negative, necessarily. Hmm. Maybe it was like, wait, like, I think you even mentioned it, Todd, like maybe it's her weighing her options. Like, yeah. okay, so if John's going to be the king... I'm not going to just be his little sister. Maybe I should do something else. Yeah, that's how I took it, ultimately. Because, um, I'm sorry for any book spoilers, but um, Sansa <laughs> Sansa never meets Ramsay Bolton. She is only in the veil with Peter Baelish. And so I think this season has largely been about writing some book ships. And um, for me, that moment was them she's looking at Peter, understanding, like, wow, this is a guy who, like, really wants power and understands power, and if I want power, maybe I should reassess with him. So that's what I took it from, of that she's realizing, like, here I was thinking I was going to be queen in the North, and that's not happening, but I could be queen of the Vale. So... That is such a good point, and we we did not talk about that at all, but... um, and so I guess we should. I also meant to establish this in the introduction. Uh, you have read all the books, Emily. I I have like more so than a normal person should probably be into this series. Oh, okay. Um, so. <laughs> so does that mean Dunk and Egg uh, tales oh, yeah. as well? Oh, oh wow! Yeah. All right. And, and the history of Westeros fake textbook that he has. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm basically a Westeros historian as a normal as my as my hobby. A world awesome. of ice and fire. You've you've got it. Yes, I have. I'm not all the way through it. It's it's quite lengthy, but um, I'm I'm making my way through it. Excellent. Yes. So I'm the the reader between uh, Taylor and and myself, um, but I have not gone that far. I haven't read Dunkin' Egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's uh, really cute. You should. It's really good. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Well, I'll get it all wrong, but it's about Egan and then uh, and and I, I don't even remember who the Duncan one is. Yeah, Sir Duncan of um, Sir Duncan the Tall. Okay. 
who is related to Brienne, also book spoilers. Okay. That's, that's recently revealed, too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's recently revealed. So that's a good one. So it's like these little details that you start to, when you're watching the show especially, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, that guy, or like that thing that I talked about. Well, we should, I didn't even put this in the notes, but we should um, uh, <laughs> exploit your book knowledge, too. Uh, how did you feel about um, the uh, phrase in a pie um, <laughs> theory coming true? Oh, um, I mean, I actually really liked the way that it turned out in this series um, to bring Arya back, and it was kind of more of like a tasty sort of revenge that Arya got to do it and not um, Lord T Tasty get it. I'm not a dad. Because in the books, it's Lord um, Manderly, whose sons, or one son at least, died at the Red Wedding. Um, and, he, and so it's never like really, like he doesn't come out and say that it's a phrase kids or phrase grandkids or which, whichever it is that he is eating in the pie, but it's sort of heavily implied that that's what it is. Um, but I, I actually preferred the way they did it on the show. It, it felt more organic and it kind of, it was very satisfying for sure. Cool. And then I've got it because, um, so Brian and Fia participated in the in the podcast uh, with me on The Broken Man, where Arya gets stabbed repeatedly after taking a stroll in broad daylight <laughs> and loudly announcing her plans to travel uh, without her sword. Um, and <laughs> Fia and Brian were both... Well, Fia, you're... Um, I mean, we didn't talk after, you know, after that was wrapped up in the next episode, but I think both you and Brian said... Um, you know, if she just sort of puts a Band-Aid on it and <laughs> keeps fighting, I'm going to be really annoyed. Um, did, but did seeing her kill Walder Frey, did that kind of make it, make it all better for you? I mean, did that make up for that? A hundred percent, yes. Okay. I mean, she, just the look on her face and her, you know, statement of, I want this to be the last face you see before you, as you know, you die. It was, it was fantastic. I'm like, okay. You're all good in my book. I felt, I felt, she redeemed herself. Good. I think we we also talked on that podcast about um, the loose ends that we'd been seeing, which I think was sort of a, you know, it was sort of caused because they were rushing narratives ahead to try to catch everybody up and you know move the chess pieces around. Um, but I also think this whole season, you know, there were a couple episodes, <laughs> notwithstanding, but this whole season was about tying up loose ends. Um, and Absolutely. so yeah, I felt like that Aria storyline got the, the ending that it, you know, we wanted it to get eventually. Yeah, incredible <laughs> amounts of closure this season. I was felt so excited about all the the loops they kept closing. I'm like, thank you. I feel like my time invested in this show is finally paying off because last right. season was <laughs> was a head scratcher. I'm like, I don't know if I can stay with this much longer. <laughs> do you think so. Do you think they honestly took that fan feedback to heart? Because I think everybody was well, most everybody they was had to have. Yes, they, I, I yeah, absolutely. It's like, how do you? How it was just so much redemption and revenge all in like one big lovely package. It was mm -hmm. perfect every episode. So I absolutely because there were it was the polar opposite last season. It was just yeah. like one kind of in you know uh, cl cliffhanger into the next episode that didn't really accomplish much. Kind of just kept building on a story, and you just you didn't feel any 
kind of, you know, period at the end of the sentence, so mm -hmm. to speak. It just mm -hmm. kept going on and on. So this just, it, it was so gratifying. I loved it. Well, that, Do you guys think that season five was was a big dragging of the feet, though? Like, maybe, I, I don't, after seeing this season and after, you know, knowing what the first four seasons were like and very, very good and positive, I just wonder if they were their hands were tied a little bit and they kind of made do with with the little they had because they were trying to see if George R. R. Martin was going to get his damn book out or not, <laughs> and, and if they should reveal things that went past it or if they should not, and I think they were maybe stuck a little bit. Does, does anybody agree with that? I would yeah, say, I, so. I would say, you know, given what we've seen this season and how good they've been, and a lot, and let's be honest, though, a lot of that is on the on the uh, responsibility of the directors that they uh, parsed out too. So it's not just Benioff and Weiss, but like given how good they are now and how good we've seen them in the past, I I would actually buy into that a little bit because it's not like they just intentionally were bad for you know. And not every episode was bad. I mean, Hard Home was great. You know, we had we had their sh the shiny moments, but like I, I I would buy into that a lot more, given what we've seen this season. Just seeing the the massive quick rebound that they made. Right. Yeah, what was your that's, take that's on that, Emily? Um. Yeah, I think they were dragging their feet. Like going into season four and five, they were like, "Oh, this book's gonna come out like so soon. Like in the next year, I will know." But now it hasn't, and like maybe it never will. So <laughs> I think they were they. They were trying to like fill season five with um, some plots from like previous books or like some weird dumb plots that make no sense. Um, and so season six, I think they finally got this like the levees broke. Like the mm -hmm. book is not coming out. We're in uncharted territory basically, except for a few things like the king's moot with the ironborn. And they're just like, let's just go with it and like try to figure it out. And like I said, try to write some of the book ships to steer the ship show in the direction it's supposed to go because they ultimately, they know how it ends. They know who lives and who dies. George R. R. Martin still consults on the show. So I think, I think I, I, I'm really glad that they like kind of got the go-ahead to just go instead of waiting around for him to, to publish the next book. I totally agree with that. For, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how everyone else feels, but um, it definitely feels like they stepped on the gas this season. Mm -hmm. I, I whatever it was, I I friggin love it. it keep <laughs> yeah. keep going. Yeah. Don't back off because <laughs> it's been awesome. Well, um, you know, from that, I'll just jump into uh, that bullet point I had about you know what was your favorite moment this season and uh, and why was that, um, Brian? What was your favorite uh, for, moment? For me, easily, hands down, has to be Ramsey Bolton getting his face eaten because I if <laughs> anybody knows anything about me. My favorite theme for movies or anything is vengeance. Like, if you haven't seen Man on Fire with Denzel Washington, just go watch it. It's awesome. I thought you were going to say your favorite everyone. theme was face-eating. No. <laughs> well, I mean, sure, if it's part of vengeance. But I love when really, really bad people in, in fiction or whatever get their just due at some point or other. Uh, so when the dog was kind of slowly creeping up to his face and he was still like, hey, he's not going to do anything, and then he just ripped his whole face apart. I was literally jumping in my living room, cheering, fist pumping, <laughs> high-fiving Fia, like running around <laughs> like I was watching a sporting event. <laughs> he, he really was. No <laughs> exaggeration. Fia, I was like, was sit down. <laughs> well, this, this is why we're married, because it was mine, too. It was just so 
fantastic. I was, we were both like, this is happening? This is amazing. It just, it, we've been waiting so long for something to happen to him. He was just such a awful character like Joffrey and you just you wanted something to happen and it just was so amazing when you know it was a tag team effort between Jon Snow when Jon Snow just snapped and started punching the shit out of him <laughs> and I was like thank you so he all of a sudden turned into a super badass and then Sansa's like finishes him off with the whole you know, putting him in the whole um, dog cage area, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you too! Where have you been all this time?" <laughs> it was, it was, it was just a pure moment of just perfection for the show. I was, I was so. Exp Speaking of dogs wanting to bite faces off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was, uh, it was such a good example of them doing something we kind of knew was going to happen, not necessarily the dog face evil, but, mm -hmm. but Ramsey getting killed. Whereas, like, Joffrey, you know, some of those deaths were, were just so shocking and unexpected that um, I thought Game of Thrones was getting a little too used to those unexpected moments, and they were trying to, like, you know, surprise us with every death. But the Ramsey one was, like, just a good example of, like, them drawing it out, and we all yes. kind of saw it coming, and it was still satisfying, and... Um, well, you know, it, you, you brought up the Joffrey death, death too, and, and like as a viewer who loves vengeance, that was good, but it wasn't great because what I wanted more so than fast. life itself, yeah, I wanted Joffrey to know his death was coming and to beg like a bitch for his life. <laughs> like, <wow. laughs> That's what I, I wanted somebody to have a, a sword though. trained on him. Yeah, like I wanted somebody to have a sword at his neck, and he was like, no, yeah. I'm just kidding, like please. Make him and pee himself he, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in a medical sense, he suffered, but, like, psychologically, he didn't suffer nearly as much as I had hoped. So, so this was a lot more satisfying. We're, we're the two psychos that watch the show over here. We're like, ha, death. You know, it was so, it was just so great. I don't know if everybody else agrees, but I was so happy. They Just like Brian said, they drew it out. He was so smug in the beginning, and he's, you know, out there you know, taunting them and basically saying, you know, you guys don't have a chance and my dogs are hungry and it just, it was perfect. They they really structured that whole scene and that storyline beautifully. I was I was happy. <laughs> and he, well, so, he clearly didn't think he was going to die, right? I mean, is that what no. you guys took? He, he, he thought they were not going to execute him I, the way I took it until the dogs literally ate him. I, there was like, a moment of fear on his face. I, I no, no, for sure, I, no. But, I get that, but what, yeah. when he was talking to her, he was like, "Our like, time together right. is going to come to an end." But I don't think he meant like you're going to kill me. I think he meant like, "Well, you're, I'm going to be your prisoner. You're going to leave. We're not going to talk to each other." Like I don't think that he was had an expectation of actually dying until the dogs started coming to him and looked like they were going to, you know, do something. I, That's how I, I like took that it. you've you've uh, you've uh, picked up this moment because. Also on that podcast with me, you both mentioned how much you wanted to see Ramsey die. So I'm glad that there was a moment for you in this season. Um, Emily, how about you? What was your favorite moment from the season? Uh, 
I had a lot there. I mean, this season was so incredible, but I ha and I'll talk about the ladies later. But um, so I think really my favorite scene was finally, finally, finally the confirmation of R plus L plus J mm. of, re of revealing John's parentage. I mean, and it was so it was so simple and beautifully done. Also, um, so I really appreciated that. And and of course they they didn't say totally, you know, like they didn't lay it out for us because it's Game of Thrones. They have to keep some secrets. But the way that they did it with Lyanna and then the baby opening his eyes and his brown eyes and then cutting to John, I'm like my like tears are streaming down my face watching this. And I'm but I was like this. My reaction to him being finally revealed to be Leanna's son was the same as when Ramsey got his face bit off. Like, we're on the Yeah, like, five like years. I've known about this theory for years, and it's the granddaddy of Game of Thrones theories. And, <laughs> and so I'm just so glad, finally, that we can... And all those Robert truthers can suck it, because it's not true. <laughs> <Are> you, <laughs> hey, are you sad that you learned about it on the show and not in the book, since you are such a big book fan? Well, I mean, like... It's not totally, again, it's, it's sort of more hinted at in the books. It, I mean, if you read pretty closely, and uh, like as soon as you know the theory, you can't unknow it. Like mm -hmm. you read the books, and so you're like, you're muttering to yourself, like, he's not even his son. He's like, that's, you're not even your sister, you know? Like, or you're just like, I just mutter under my breath every episode, like, secret Targaryen, secret Targaryen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, yeah, it was kind of, you know, you know it's coming. Mm -hmm. I, I knew it was coming. But it was still super satisfying to see it on screen, and especially in the way they did it. So I'm glad we can like get it out of the way now and just like focus on John being the second or third head of the dragon and just like get this Targaryen ship rolling. <laughs> did you? So did you derive a little bit of that satisfaction just from seeing the Tower of Joy scene with Bran and the Three-Eyed Raven like really early in the season? Oh, I was so pissed. I was like, that goddamn raven! Like, I just want to go! You know she's in there! Like, so I was mad, but I, I knew that they would come back to it, and then there, were all, there was all this coverage, like, that the actor who plays young Ned was going to be in the season finale in, like, a prominent role, and so I knew, and I think all of us kind of assumed that this would be the moment, like, that we would finally know. A Danny is coming. She's on her way. And so I, I think we all kind of assumed it would happen, but I'm just still so glad. Mm. So, so Emily, Emily, since that is your favorite sequence and, you know, you're the book reader and everything, mm -hmm. so how did it affect you, the whisper section? Because I know I've heard some people that's really bothered. Some people are indifferent. Some mm -hmm. people want to know what the hell she said. Like, how did you take that part of it? Oh, I mean, again, like, like I said, like, they have to keep some secrets because I'm sure they'll reveal later that it was Rhaegar was the dad. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I was like, I did a tweet like after the episode where like I'm just so looking forward to the news coverage tomorrow about some Reddit lip reader like figuring <laughs> out what she said. Funny <laughs> <laughs> you would mention that. <laughs> yeah, I googled. Exactly I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Exactly oh, so happened. somebody somebody did lip read. Yeah, they lip read um, that his re what John's real name is, what she whispers to mm -hmm. Ned. Like she starts to say like his name is, and so the lip reader says that his real name is Janarius, I believe. So, <laughs> which would make sense. Yeah, Janarius, which is like in the books, um, Janarius two is like uh, John's direct ancestor. He's like Egon's grandfather. So, anyways, mm -hmm. so like it would make sense and. Um, 
Junarius was a couple of good kings, so it makes sense that she would want to name him that. But um, yeah, I was just like wait, I'm like sitting there like on my computer like waiting for Buzzfeed to pop up. Like what did she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the reasons Taylor and I were delayed uh, in recording the other night was because I kept hitting rewind during mm. that <laughs> section. Mm -hmm. But um, and then Brian, did you try it with the closed captioning on? <laughs> Um, I actually didn't try it myself, but I read somewhere that if you did put it on, it just said whispers. So yeah, I, I gave I up the on captioning it. On. Yeah, I had the captioning on. It just said whispers. I was like, God damn it. I've heard that if you, I heard if you play it backwards, it says John Lennon is Jesus. So. <laughs> <laughs> take that. Take that what you will. Taylor, what, what did, can you pick out a favorite moment, Taylor? From the uh, whole it's a toss up. It's a toss up. Uh, I would have. I would have had a definitive single answer um, until Sunday, and now it's a toss up between two. Um, the amazing 20-minute sequence that we got at the beginning of that episode with the, the burning of the sept um, and just everything about that. And I would say that's tied with, um, for me, and, and just like y'all, I was doing the fist pumping, like tears in my eyes kind of thing, bizarrely enough, at the King's Moot on Pike. Really? Yeah, and I, I go back to that episode because like, I think I, I kind of laid it out there in that I'm a Yara, I'm a huge Yara fan anyway, you know. So anything involving her being triumphant, is just awesome, just always gets me. But then you've got freaking Alfie Allen, who deserves a every time he's on a screen, he deserves an Emmy because that he, Theon as a character has had the most depth and breadth of any character on the show. Like he's gone from every, he's played every emotion, he's played every angle. They just keep giving him more to do, and here's a guy who has to stand there and and acknowledge a that. Yeah, he's the firstborn, but he's he can't do anything with that now. Um, B, the last time he gave an inspirational speech, it did not go well for him um, <laughs> at, in any way. And C, his sister still doesn't trust that he's got her best interest in mind. So he's got to like somehow convey all of that and, and get past all that in just that short period of time. And he does it beautifully, only to have freaking Euron bail in like seconds later and go, that was great and all, but guess what? I have an actual plan, and his plan made a lot of sense. So it was, yeah. just like, it was such a roller coaster of emotion, and just it really, for the first time ever, I cared a hell of a lot about Pike um, wow. and just everything that was going on. So that, that moment, just it, and it was, I didn't expect it, and it just really, it still, it still sits with me at, you know, when we're all said and done. It was just, that was such a highlight for me. I can't believe I'm the only one to say Hodor. That was the biggest moment to me, and and uh, I, you know another. Uh, if if I'd been in a room with people, I would have been slapping them five, and they would have been so confused at <laughs> why I was doing that. But I just thought that was such a satisfying. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, end to his arc and explanation of his character, and like just everything about it was so great. And I was really happy that he wasn't proven to have warped into a horse. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was the worst fan theory ever. Was, was that like, a real I fan theory? Thought. I thought I was yeah. pretty versed in lore, and that I've never heard that before. No, and I, and I honestly like got fan theory fatigue this season because it was just like, and it's Good like, so, like sometimes you guys, he just got kicked in the head with a horse. It's not anything else. Like there, there's so much of like fan theories are just, but it could be this, and it's like, no, he really is just he got nailed in the head with a horse. You guys, like that's why he's sort of. I mean, it ended up not being exactly that, but still, yes, that was a fan theory, and it was terrible. You know, I love, I, I adored that entire episode. For I mean, there's so much was revealed. I Part of me, though, is a little bitter, and this is just me. It's nothing to do with the show or anybody else, but I'm a little bitter that Mira wasn't revealed to somehow be John's twin or somehow more important than she was. And Speaking I think, of fan theories. Well, and I say that because if she had been, it kind of would have, it, it would have been the other cherry on top of that scene of like, oh, my God, here you've got Mira 
you know, sh- you know, screaming out, hold the door, and and getting Brand to safety. And oh, by the way, she's way more important than we thought she was. And it's just like it. So for some reason, that just that the fact that she, and I'm assuming, won't be revealed to be anything other than just a cool, kick-ass, you know, help, aid to Bran. Um, I don't know, just, but that, again, you're, you're right, that, that was, th- th- this is the problem with season six, it's like we, we're, we're swimming in too many amazing options for everything, like, it's, you know, where last season we are like, yeah, hard home, and that's right. basically it, <laughs> this season's like, oh, geez, there's this, and this, and we're just, we got spoiled, y'all. Well, I'm going to use your mention of Mira to, um, segue into, uh, you know, some of the major points from the season, um, because what Taylor and I have talked about on other episodes is uh, how everyone who's surviving is going to have some role to play. And I um, just want to th- you know, throw this out there. Brian and Fia and I uh, talked about it on our, our episode, but that reintroduction of the Hound. Um, well, Emily, I, we don't know how you feel about that. Um, uh, I've everyone else here. I- personally, I'm like a, a Hound fan. I love him. <laughs> He's ridiculous and deep down a sweet uh, guy, obviously. Um, and he just curses and I love it. Um, so I'm really glad to see him back in the books. Uh, I can't remember, gosh, if you actually see him. You just kind of hear rumors like there's a guy like wreaking havoc on people in a hound helmet. And um, I, I think uh, his reintroduction serves a really cool purpose, if not a less cool purpose than it could be. Um, because now you've seen him with um, Benric Dondorian of the uh, Brotherhood Without Banners. And so in, in the books, the Brotherhood Without Banners are run by uh, Lady Stoneheart, which is a resurrected Catelyn Stark. Spoilers. And so I think by... <laughs> sorry. I keep you... You're supposed to say spoilers before you say the thing. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm out, the theory's out there. But, yeah, no, um, I know, I know. So I so I'm I'm interested because they haven't introduced her and I don't think they will. I think they've actually kind of taken Arya will kind of fall into that role of like this avenger of the people who have hurt her and her family. And so I think it'll be really cool if they get to team up with the Brotherhood of Without Banners and then just sort of start to be like oh. these little vigilante people. Yeah. And of course I'm so excited because now the Clegane Bowl could still happen. <laughs> And I knew it happened. Speaking so, of crazy th- fan theories. <laughs> I love it, though. I, you I know, I, I will say this, Todd. I think for next season, I'm going to back off my obsessive researching because some of that stuff does cloud the way you watch it. I mean, not sort of. It totally clouds the way you see things because I saw the Hound come back, and I'm like, okay, how are they going to get him to King's Landing to fight the Hound or to fight the Mountain? Like that's the only thing I was thinking of. Mm. Whereas Fia, who doesn't subscribe to that stuff, who doesn't look into it, who just watches the show, and that's it, and that's awesome. She was like, "Yeah, cool. I'm glad he's back. Let's see what he does." Like, <laughs> there's no, there's no preemptive need to be obsessed about like, how the hell are they going to get him to be in King's Landing for this trial? Like, that's all I was thinking about. And I don't know. Like, <laughs> looking back on it, I would have rather have just been like, "Huh, cool. The Hound's back. That's crazy. Now what happens?" What's I? I I think I'm gonna back off a little. <laughs> I think it's. I think there's an element of surprise that's interesting and fun about watching the show too. So right, I don't. Exactly. I don't want to, uh, you know, start to kind of, I pollute the waters <laughs> with sure. all of this 
hypothetical, you know, scenarios all over the place. So what, what, how does that contribute to my experience watching the show? And I don't have time for that shit. So, summer children. I want to conduct an informal poll real quick. Are, are there any? Fiat, are you aware of any of the other? sort of big uh, things out there, or have you stayed pretty pure in, in terms of your fan theory uh, connections? Completely pure. I okay, don't know The only know thing anything. she knows about of what I've told her. Yeah. Are there any... That's pretty much it. And not much, so... That said, are there any... Uh, Brian and Emily, are there... And Todd, you too, are there any... Um, are there any remaining... Th- you don't have to get into detail for Fia's sake, but are there any big... Th- sort of fan theories left that you're like, oh, that's got to happen. we got to see that. Or are, are we pretty much clear now? Now that R plus L equals J is done, are we kind of in the home stretch and we can kind of just sit back uh, per Brian's, Brian's note? Well, I, I think that I've kind of heard and either they've been discounted or they're just so wild that you know they're not going to happen. All the theories that, of, at least for this season, um, I have one crackpot theory of my own, which is as, as the last sequence of the last episode closes, like whoever lives, whoever dies, whatever, and then you're just going to hear this rising sound of applause, and then you're going to realize that this whole thing was just a play that was put on by a bunch of super nerds at a Ren fair, and they're going to be in like cardboard night outfits, and like, <laughs> and the crowd's just giving them a standing O because it was so intense. <laughs> See, that, that plays into my theory that, that it's just going to end with Sam looking into a snow globe, and Winterfell is in the snow globe, and, no, and he's no. just telling the story to they you know, need his to, kids, They to need Fred to Savage. Pan- <laughs> yeah, they need to pan out and make it George's. What is it? Those uh, those cages. His turtle. His turtle pen. Because he said he wrote this whole series based on his pet turtles. Oh, that's right. Oh my god. <laughs> and the Siri and they're they're all on their backs. <laughs> He's apparently dead. a bad turtle owner too, because a totally bad died. turtle owner. <laughs> Um, I think for me, this isn't a fan theory, technically, it's in the books, is the prince who was promised prophecy. Oh, um, okay. Like the lord, so it's like kind of muddled because it's sort of the same as the lord of light, like the mm-hmm. messiah of the lord of light faith. Um, and I think it's sort of split at this point of, is it Danny or is it John? Mm. And personally, I think it's Danny. Mm. And I think that would be kind of, she makes the most sense to me at this point. John is a good candidate uh, for sure. So I, I'm most looking forward to seeing which one of that, which one of them comes to pass. If any of them. There's also a theory that Rhaegar Targaryen was the prince that was promised and so when Robert Baratheon kills him, he like dooms the world essentially against mm. the Long Night. So I'm, I'm curious about that and I'm sure they'll get into it a little bit more as the, as winter has come and the Night King approaches. Have we <laughs> That's something... Have we heard um, Tyrion Azor a high since season two? I mean, since she called, since Melisandre called Stannis that, has oh, it been oh, yeah. brought up at all? Yeah, she brought it up to John the season when she resurrected him. Did she? Yeah. yeah. I missed that. Um, yeah, she, and she says she was wrong, right? And yeah, she was like, oh my god, I misinterpreted this. And then also the other red priestess we saw in Meereen, who is like, oh, I'll spread the word about Daenerys. She believes that Daenerys is the princess that was promised. Yeah, over that, yeah. yeah. That's something that it really interests me that I, I'm hoping that they have some resolution with, which is how the gods actually kind of like gel <laughs> with each other. Because, Work. you know, you've seen... You've seen 
the the Lord of Light, and he clearly has power. There's clearly something there. Um, there's something with the old gods, with the weirwood trees, and the sight, and you know, the, the seeing, and all that stuff. And like, it just would be cool to see like that kind of develop a little bit more because it's. I don't want it to be like the Star Wars thing where they're like, oh, it's midichlorians, and they give you some technical term. <laughs> I don't need that. But it would be Science. cool. To, yeah, exactly. It would be cool for them to like maybe maybe all the gods are really just a god that's embodied in different ways with different cultures, maybe it's that, or, you know, some kind of, a little bit more context, I guess, is what I'm saying, well, or how the gods work, or who the gods are. I, I, I love that idea, because, and Taylor and I have talked about that, too, like, that I, what I think is so interesting is that some of the re- religions just don't seem to work. Right. <laughs> like, the seven just seems to be just sort of empty um, uh, posturing, and right. ritual, but then things like uh, the Lord of Light, uh, there's obviously some power there, and uh, and then and then Emily, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I got from the books was that uh, the old gods and the weirwood trees are, are tied to the three-eyed raven and that role, so there really is like a magic working through the old gods as well. Yeah, and like with the p- children of the forest as right. well, like they obviously had magic. And since the children of the forest are basically gone, and obviously the Three-Eyed Raven is now Bran, the, that magic has really diminished, I think. But there's still some magic there, obviously, with Bran. And that's also something I hope they go into a little bit more, like what the hell is his deal? Right. <laughs> is, he a time, is he a time traveler? Like, what's his... I don't even... Well, I'm it's funny... <laughs> Other than just confirming the Azora High mention, we we all skipped over John's resurrection, um, which was definitely, you know, I'm going to put some air quotes around this, the cliffhanger <laughs> of the last year. Um, but it ties into so much that we've talked about because um, it was one of those things where it was like a, you know, I mean, it was kind of a theory that he was going to come back and how would, there were different sub-theories from that on, on how he would come back. But after everything else we saw this season, do do we care about John coming back? I mean, is it, <laughs> is it still resonating with us nine episodes well, later? Well, I just never bought it. Like, the second I watched the last episode of the last season gotcha. and he was dead, I said, there's... I even turned to Fiona and I said, there's no fucking way that Jon Snow is dead. And because it was just like this whole... The whole, who's his mom? What's his purpose? I know that they try to, to subvert convention and they try to change things around their side but that it just would have been stupid to me and maybe that was my only reasoning but it just seemed completely asinine that you would just kill him and that would be it be a big waste of story it just would have been an immense waste of story you're absolutely right and so I just I just never bought into it and so when he came back like yes I was excited that it happened and yes I I really liked the episode but it wasn't like a oh my god I can't believe this is happening it was more of like a Oh, they did it this episode. Cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they did it this soon. Like, I'm glad they didn't make us wait till episode nine or something. That was exactly my sentiment as well. Same, same. Because I was, I was really worried, especially after season five, that it was like, oh god, are they just, are they gonna drag this out till the very last? That'll be the Ned's head of this season. Oh, here we go. And right. It was. They just got it out of the way, and I'm like, okay, good. That, that and was it opened it up for Battle of the Bastards to be. The uh, the you know ninth episode, the big ninth yeah. episode. Yeah. Um. Do I I, I mean, um, Fia and Emily. Uh, what was your rating of that episode? <laughs> I kind of spoiled my, my <laughs> the note 
if you saw that. <laughs> well, actually, I, I do want to hear, because Fia is such a purist, do you, did you ever think that Jon Snow would stay dead? Before no. we move on to the oh, okay. You didn't either, no. so you were completely on board with There's no, no way. No, yeah, yeah, they had Melisandre there. Like, it, you knew something was going to happen. I didn't know how, but I just, I, I wasn't, I didn't think he was going to remain dead. Um, I don't know. His, his resurrection was a weirdly anticlimactic for me. I didn't feel like it was a big, riveting, powerful moment, you know, considering it was such a big character that was killed off. So, um, and I'm sure it's because they got it out of the way so quickly, but... That was that was my only thing. I it's kind of like oh he's dead for five minutes. Oh just kidding he's alive again and moving on. So it didn't really I didn't really feel much of the effect of his death or him coming back. It didn't. There wasn't it wasn't a big moment for me per se. But I'm glad that you know they brought him back and I was worried a couple episodes in that he was going to revert to his kind of mousy, semi scared. Scared eyes, scared eyes, Jon Snow, <laughs> and he, he he totally redeemed himself. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead to the Battle of the Bastards. Um, Emily, what was your what was your take on Jon's resurrection? I mean, as a book reader, did you buy it for a second that he was dead? No, uh, to be honest, at first, like because it, it, it happens in the books, and so yeah. I knew it was coming. But it was sort of one of those moments to like seeing it on screen where it was like, oh, oh my god, like. Um, and, but I didn't buy it. I just knew how important he was, like, to the overall story right. um, as a secret Targaryen. Um, and just, like, who he is as a person and, and his journey and stuff. So I didn't buy it. And so it's, like, spent, like, you know, a year fighting with people on the Internet. Like, you guys are idiots. Like, he's coming <laughs> back. Like, stop whining. What? But um, I, I honestly wish they had done it because they've made us wait so long. <coughs> excuse me, and had dragged it out and made him lie and all these things. It was so <laughs> dumb that it was like, I wish they had stabbed him and we saw that. And then basically all of the stuff with Davos and the Red Lady with Melisandre, I wish that had been in the same episode as when he had first died. Right. That I, I feel like it would have been more satisfying and more a better cliffhanger if at the end of season five, you he, you know she's doing the chance, and then he wakes up, and that's the end of season five. That's think, such a good idea. If yeah. we just saw that body sit up, and then the yeah. closing credits roll, yeah. yeah that that would have been, been, been great. Yeah. Can I because, just say real Oh, go ahead, sorry. I didn't even buy it in the book. I mean, I no. remember reading that, and I wish I still had a copy of the text, because uh, our friend Meg and I were reading the book at basically the same time, and she told me, one night, she was like, yeah, I finished it last night. So I told her, like, I'm reading the last chapter or whatever chapter it happens in. And, you know, I just sent her this <laughs> what-the-fuck text. Yeah. And she was like, I know, right? <laughs> and so we had a conversation at that moment of, like, well, obviously this isn't going to last. <laughs> you know, and that was, whatever, four years ago or something. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it was funny to see it play out with viewers who also did not buy it for a second. Let's just look at the fact real quick. Um, that John was stabbed, what, uh, seven, eight times, probably more, um, you know, in the stomach for sure. I, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say Arya might be Azor Ahai because she, she <laughs> self-resurrected uh, yeah, at least three times and, and took out the, the Termawave. Um, and just like, just the, <laughs> there's no the other, the Termawafer, term yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Hashtag Termawafer. Term um, there's, 
there's, uh, you know, there's no other explanation other than she, she's got some red magic in her too. I, I really hope they address that. By the way, I'm just, I'm speaking out of turn, but I just, I, I still, if we're gonna talk about favorite moments, that's, that's my least favorite moment of the entire thing. Is just Ooh. inexplicable. Is Jack and Hagar's, you know, turn and, you know, I, I mentioned before, he's basically Peter on Office Space now, and then just Arya's like inexplicable. Invulnerability. I'm just like, what, make if they make it a thing, I'll backtrack all that. But it's just, it was so weird. It was so out of character right. for everything. You want some magic or a potion or something? Anything. Explain that. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. That was probably my least favorite thing too. I thought it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I just end of the sentence there. It was so stupid. And even Jackins, and even Jackins, like a girl uh, is no one now. She's like, yeah, a girl's gonna go home. And he's like, okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, it, it, it would have been awesome if, like, think about this. What if, what if she had gone to Walter Frey? Okay. Like, she, she's like, she's like, she's like, yeah, I'm the last thing you're ever gonna see. And then Walter Frey pulls off his thing. It's Jack and Hagar going. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been. I'd have been like, oh shit, there's more going on than we. Thought. But there wasn't even that. It was just like Jack is just like, okay, bye, and then. No, no, or he no. Could've, like, he he could have said like, "Why was a girl walking around in broad daylight announcing her plans <laughs> in sightseeing?" So I thought I trained you a lot better than this. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what was that line we saw Taylor in the Wired article that was like, "A man is very chill with the <laughs> with the outcome of this scene." <laughs> Jockin just sort of accepts that Ari, <laughs> you know, rejecting all of his training. <laughs> Maybe we're mispronouncing his name. Maybe it's Jamaican Hagar. And he had just smoked a big old. Hey, you know what? That I will I will take that as an explanation because ever since he got back to Bravos, like he was all like you know Jack Sparrow and running around and adventure. Yeah. You know, and then get, but he gets back to the House of Black and White. He's just kind of like, okay, whatever, man. He's all, it's cool. You can leave. I'm just really high right now. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he always wanders off inexplicably, and then you never know where he goes. And it's you know, <laughs> he looks like a stoner. I'd buy it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I have I have no. There's no segue possible to get us back from <laughs> Jamaican yes, Hagar. Mission accomplished. What, what Jamaica. I, I had such a great segue from John to the Battle of the Bastards. They had to resurrect him to, to you know, to make that battle happen. Um, so that's just where I'm going to awkwardly jump to. Was uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think visually that that was the greatest episode, and I don't want to taint your opinion of it, but it, I would like to hear what everyone thought about that that episode, the Battle of the Bastards. And that battle specifically. You got to kick it to someone or else we're all going to talk over each other. Go, Todd. Okay. Emily. Yes. It was an incredible episode for sure. And just like from a practical standpoint, I mean, 80 horses, practical stunts, green, oh, yeah. green, rubber swords. Like, I love it. I freaking love it. <laughs> like, like in, in this age of CGI battles, like this was, it was amazing. And, and I just, especially like so much of it was so... I mean, almost like you—you. You, it was hard to watch because it was so realistic. Of like oh, yeah. all the bo- like the mountain of bodies, and like John getting suffocated under people's trampling mm. feet. Like the whole thing. It was like I knew Ramsey was not gonna make it out of this. I didn't know if it was gonna be on the battlefield because he's a little punk ass bitch. But <laughs> um, <laughs> um, excuse my French. Um, <laughs> But just like overall, it was just such a sense of urgency and and a desperate um, war. Like it was so good, and so congr- like 
so all the props to the to the horse people, the yeah. horse coordinator, horse master. That's what she's she's called, um, and the stunt coordinators and all the stunt performers. And uh, of course, Kit Harrington too did a lot of his own stunts. So it was just really, really good. And also, it was like that first taste of Sansa being Lady <laughs> Sansa of just when she goes to Ramsay, you're gonna die tomorrow. Sleep well and just rides off. I'm just like, yes, queen, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Lady Mormont leans in and goes, I told you to say that. Well oh my god, yes. Also Lady Mormont of just her she was only on screen in Battle of the Bastards for like two seconds, but her like her little gangster stink face. Oh my god, that's yes. We've been calling it the resting bitch face oh of god. Leona Mormont. She has like more swagger than any child I've ever encountered in my life. So well, no. Yeah. <sighs> Which was totally fulfilled in this last episode when she puts all these old crusty lords of the north in their place. Yeah, uh, that was that was so amazing. Um, and also on your on your women of uh, you know the ladies doing it for themselves in Westeros, uh, that battle of the bastards also had this amazing Daenerys. Uh, I mean, it was like half Daenerys too. Um, yeah. Oh yes, yes, of course. I, I, oh gosh, I forgot that was in the same episode. Oh my god, yeah. Of her, like when she's when she like just shows up on these dragons, and um, when she's talking to the slave owners, and they're like, okay, blah blah blah, you can surrender, and like we'll kill you and whatever. And it's like, um, she's like, excuse me, sorry, one second. Um, no, we're talking about you. And I can't just, hear you over the flapping of my dragon's <laughs> wings. Like her, she had one of the my favorite lines. <laughs> It's in the whole series where they're like, your reign is at an end. And she just like bitch faces them and she's just like, um, my reign has just begun. It was perfect. And this burns their ships and they just die and leave. It, that again, yeah, too, was really, really fantastic. And I'll talk more about the ladies doing it for themselves, but she, that was a really good part of the episode, too. Well, well it was they... also the triumphant return of the Tyrion that we love. Oh, yes. yes. You know, like he, he was such a, just a non-starter and then all of a sudden... He's like, oh, and by the way, tell everybody that we whooped your ass. <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh, Tyrion, what's up? Where have you been? Thank I'm so you. glad. I'm so glad you said that because I have been getting so much shit on Io9 and from various friends of mine. Going, Tyrion's been great this whole time. I'm like, where have you? What show have no, you been watching? No, like, what? opposite of that. Opposite. He's Thank been you. awful. He's been, I mean, nothing. I think you brought it up in the podcast we did, Fia. Like, he's just. You were just like, what the fuck is he doing? He's doing nothing. What? Where's Tyrion? You know what I think, by the way, to get off on a tangent again. Um, he, I, and this, this is a conversation I had today with my friend Tyler, who just binge watched all sixty hours of the show. Um, Holy shit! Like, two, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a feat to behold. But, but we were talking, and he made a great point. He said Tyrion is at his best when he has a cudgel or an antagonist to, to fight against. So think about it in season two. He had Joffrey. He had Cersei. Eventually, he had Tywin to fight against. Once he got to Marine, there was really nobody. To fight, you know, to 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 rally against or to try to like outsmart or outmaneuver. So he just kind of was bleh. And I wonder with Cersei being queen now, does he have that back in spades? You know, does he, is he going to be his ultimate best because now his sister is his chief enemy? Right. Well, that's a good point. Um, and the the other angle I look at is uh, I don't want him to just turn into another man that's in love with her and following her for no good reason. A like, Davos. <laughs> I don't know, man. You no. might have a little bit of that. I saw some adora adoration in his eyes, and I think Fia mentioned it too that she was seeing the same thing. So I don't know. Well, and that's you know that's Jorah 
and that's uh, Barristan Selmy and Aura. and uh, Dario and <laughs> I mean everybody just seems to meet Daenerys and and pledge their sword and their life to her. I mean, uh, like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> beautiful and amazing, and kicks ass and has three goddamn dragons. Like, hey. I would be in awe of her too. She tamed the mighty uh, Khal Drogo. Don't forget too. I, exactly. I yeah. I can't argue with that logic, Emily, but. Um, I, I guess I guess I had more of a critique to that in like season one where I was like I don't get it. <laughs> she's just getting dragged around. Um, but yeah, now she's she's definitely uh, in, you know uh, re reaching her peak, I guess, um, on her grind. Um, so to the uh, the, uh, the moment, one of the moments that um, Fia mentioned. Uh, when I when I put out the call for moments from the season was uh was Daenerys murdering all the call the cows or mm. calls how are we gonna say that um what was this uh you know feel was that like a effective moment for you for Daenerys yeah definitely it was um you know there was a moment of okay is she going to have this storyline, you know, um, as, you know, a widow of the calls and just kind of be, you know, a slave to the group for how long and, you know, is she, is she defeated? Where is this going to go? And then it was pure badassery. <laughs> she just <laughs> set them all on fire <laughs> as they were telling her they're going to rape her and, you know, torture her. And she was like, yeah, I don't think so. As she, you know, it was just, again, revenge is just such a wonderful thing sometimes. <laughs> so um, I, I thought it was an excellent episode. And uh, it, it was cool. And then, you know, she just proved that, you know, her, her abilities and her strengths and, you know, how smart, uh, and, and cunning she is in these types of very tricky situations. So she was able to get all their respect in a situation where you were like, how is she going to do this? You know. Um, and it didn't and, involve her dragon, which I thought was cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so and there's, there's also a key moment whenever uh, Daenerys does something like that where she has to have like some kick-ass little speech. Right. Which, is, <laughs> which those are like some pretty sweet moments when she's, you know, uh, even though sometimes they they seem weird. I, I'm thinking of the time when she just gets up on Drogon and gives this huge speech to the Dothraki <laughs> as they're in the middle of the desert. But she's a real good, uh, she's a real good public speaker that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it was a it was a different, you know, it was a different environment too. So it's fun watching her in these like different environments commanding you know the attention the respect and gaining her stance and power amongst these large groups so how is she going yeah. to gain her leverage in this situation and it's it's something new and unique each time i thought that was i, I thought that was a cool move and a cool play on on that Todd, yeah. uh, hashtag make Westeros great again. Let's register that as well. <laughs> Emily, was this, uh, you know, when that scene, um, did that strike you as, as an another strong moment for Daenerys and the, you know, ladies doing it for themselves? Um, yes. Yes, okay. is what I should say. Yes. Um, 
And this is actually <laughs> it's a really good point Fia makes too, because as a as a non book reader, you could just enjoy this for what it was, and it was a really badass moment of Danny doing what Danny does best of of being a boss, a boss lady. So because mm-hmm. I'm the first to admit that uh, book readers like myself are quite nitpicky, and so I saw a lot of people were like, but she's um. But she's not like fireproof in the books, and it's like, bitch, just settle down. Like she, just, like <laughs> let her. Can she live? Can she live? Such a powerful, awesome moment of like she's standing there naked in the flames, and all the people just bow down. Even Dario's like, oh my god. I mean, like Dario is obviously he was in love with her. He gets it, but he didn't really, really get what right. What yeah, and what she's about till that moment. And you can see it in his eyes, like, oh my god, like she is something else like she's not just a beautiful lady she is magic like she this is this is incredible so that's one of my one of my favorite so out of curiosity what does happen to her in the book when she's on fire does she get like injured well it was just like the one time like we saw back in season one that it, it was just part of the magic of the the uh, gosh, what's her name? Like the witch lady who tried to save Drago. Uh huh. Mari Mazdur. Yeah. Drago from his deadly scratch. Yes, from his scratch. Um, it was a waste. What it a waste. Like, it was just essentially like the ebbing of the magic, and so she's not supposed to be fireproof. I mean, she could end up being fireproof. I don't know, but yeah, mm. it, they, she just hasn't run into fire um, mm. again as of yet in the books, at least. So, I, I'm, again, this is another show decision that I fully support as a I think that's just a shortcoming of the books because I think that's just a cool feature like especially in a world where magic does exist it's pretty readily you know visible where you know like hey like a, a, a Targaryen's fireproof or maybe all of them are or whatever but I think it's just a cool feature than it if that was just like a one-off thing in the book I think that's I don't know not as cool maybe yeah, I hope George R. R. Martin's like watching, like right scribbling furiously, like Danny is fireproof. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and edit. Whatever he's doing, I hope he's scribbling furiously. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> is on a Wrap football, up, like a he's on a football blog right now, reading about the <laughs> upcoming oh. draft or something. Yeah, the oh, draft. No. Um, so this, I, I've, there's no segue for this either. It's a real disjointed uh, leap here, but I have to hit this moment that Taylor and I talked about, which is um, Cersei's revenge with the wildfire um, in that last episode. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because Taylor and I have been talking about this all season, and it's one of those things where we just took it as like, uh, I, I don't know, I just I, I took it as like a given, like that was probably going to happen, and I don't know why. I don't know where this theory originated. So... Um, Emily, did you see this through like through your book reading? Did you have any uh, idea this was going to happen? Um, I mean, there's like allusions to it, and they talk about it a lot. Um, gosh, I can't remember which book it is. Um, because they, I think it's Cersei and Joffrey meet with the pyromancers, and they do mention that there's stores of wildfire all around the city. And I think in the show, actually, Tyrion goes down into one of the stores yep. and touches it before the the battle of the Blackwater, and that's how they kind of like, oh, the plan, plan is forming. So um, I did not, I knew that wildfire was going to play a role somehow. Um, I just wasn't sure what it was going to be. I honestly thought she would burn the whole city down. Yeah. Um, just, like, burn this mother down. So I, I'm glad they actually did it in the way that they did, of that it's o- it's only killing a certain amount of people and not literally Agreed. everyone. 
But right. uh, very so strategic. Very yeah, very. Tactical. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so Cersei too. It's just like peak Cersei of like she <laughs> knew exactly what she needed to do to win, and she did it. So I was happy with it. I'm well, not Fia, even sad. <laughs> Fia, as the show purist, did you have any idea that that was going to happen? Um, not at all, not whatsoever. I was like, what's that fluorescent green shit? And Brian's like, oh. <laughs> i like, is that... Um, yeah, are we watching Ghostbusters? No, but it was it was interesting. <laughs> Ghostbusters too. Yeah, <laughs> I I was I I completely lost memory of that you know that particular aspect of of the show. So um, I thought it I thought it was an awesome tactic. I, you know, I love how they choreographed the whole scene to that beautiful music, and it was just it was perfectly structured, you know, and how, um, you know, that just their faces, um, when they realized, oh my gosh, you know, we're probably going to die here, and Marjorie trying to get out, and they're trapping them, and you're just like, oh my gosh, she's going to die, like, for a split second, I was like, oh, she's going to get out of here, it was just a lot of, a lot of, components to that, the fact that they were getting dressed slowly and, you know, in the beginning and Cersei's oh, yeah. putting on her her finest, you know, clothing and it just was, it was so fascinating. It was really beautifully done. I, I liked everything except for the CGI when they blew up. I thought that was kind of cheesy looking. <laughs> but everything else was, everything else was, was amazing. It was, that was a jaw dropper. I was shocked. Fia, you also you mentioned Cersei's uh, well the outfits, but that was something that I took note of because it was a real departure from what she's normally wearing. Mm. And like at first, I didn't really think much about it, and then when they kind of had the whole queen sequence at the end, it was really like a like a like a matrixy like whoa look at this fucking outfit like it was a a, a villain reveal you know yeah. like seeing Darth Vader for the first time you're like oh whoa, where did this come from? Like, she is literally the, the show villain now, all of a sudden. The that, whole episode, that whole episode was her transformation. Even that, yeah. she had her fake trial and everything, where she basically was like, I did this, I did this, and guess what? I loved it. And it was like, it was kind of, not that there was ever a redemption arc for her, I mean, but it was like, she she completely, I mean, cemented the fact that there is no going back from this. You know, there's this, and that's, I mean, I'll even tie that back to the beginning where I think Jamie... Maybe that was going through Jamie's mind too, like, oh, there's, this is, she's, and, and Todd, yeah, I think it was you that contrasted it by saying, we ended last season with her being silent and jeered at by the town, and this, this episode ended with her being on the throne and the entire court was just silent and <laughs> scared. <It's laughs> Terrified like, of her. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's no better segue than that, which was the, the theme that Emily uh, had suggested for this whole season was the ladies doing it for themselves, <laughs> um, where, and we've, which we've touched on uh, throughout this conversation. But um, Emily, is there anyone we've missed? What other arcs have we, you know, what other ladies did we miss? Uh, well, you didn't talk about Brienne at all. Yeah, I, I mean, she didn't. About- yeah. yeah, get much to do, but she, you know, she's a pretty strong character. So yeah, and I think for her, most of the ladies' stories were centered on revenge, but Brienne's was centered on redemption. So I mm-hmm. think in season five and in past seasons, she has failed a lot, and not by her own fault. Um, you know, she failed to protect Renly, she failed to protect Arya, she failed to protect Sansa, and so I think, at least for Brienne this season, she 
is finally getting to do what she set out to do for both Catelyn Stark and for Jaime Lannister is to protect Sansa. And, you know, if Arya shows up, she'll protect her too. So, yeah, she didn't get too much to do, um, but all the moments with Brienne and Tormund made it so worth it because <laughs> I ship it hard. <laughs> I well, it. And I think that's a, that's a good testament to how good this season has been because, to your point, um, one of my favorite sequences before all this other great stuff happened was when she saved Sansa and she pledged herself to her and there was that really yes. nice exchange between them in the oh, snow like yes. i loved that sequence it was beautiful like it was touching like you really believe in brienne and in that she's just a a pure honest character and that was the fulfillment of her greatest wishes mm-hmm. was to yeah. just be meaningful in the world and so when you know when she bowed down and and pledged her sword it, like it was really emotional and really wonderful so um you know, that was probably one of my favorite sequences. Shoot, I almost, I want to make Rams that my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really, it, I, we almost forgot about it because yeah. so much good stuff has happened since then and that was so early on, but it was just beautiful. I love that sequence. Yeah. And I think the other lady who follows like a redemption rather than revenge is Melisandre, since hmm. obviously Melisandre did a lot of bad things in season five. She burned a lot of children and uh, <laughs> left. Well, define a lot. Okay, like the one. <laughs> and then basically led an army to its death because of the things that she said were going to happen that didn't happen. So I think with resurrecting John and then kind of taking a step back, like admitting that she does, she's not always right and she's not always confident in her powers and, and in the Lord of Light, really, um, she got a little redemption. Obviously... Davos is still pissed, as he should be, and so I'm not really sure where she'll go from here. Um, I'm sure we'll see her again. This is not the last. I did. Time. I and thought it was so, interesting how she got a little choked up when she said that she was wrong um, from this last episode. I don't yeah. know if anybody else caught that, but that, I thought that was interesting because she's always been so stoic and like absolutely certain about everything she said, mm-hmm. and since then she's been kind of way more humbled. But like that was the first time I've ever seen her really like kind of crack and like she was almost kind of get, getting teary-eyed for a second. Um, well, that said, there's no redemption for burning a child. Sorry, end of story. Yeah. She cut her head it's off. So, <laughs> it's so interesting that you say that, though, because um, so the first episode from the season was called The Red Woman, and the yeah. big reveal in it was her taking off her uh, the jewel that oh, uh, right. you know keeps the glamour going that makes her look like a young woman. And we, you know, we all, I think, probably expressed when that episode was over, like, that was crazy. We saw her as a really frail older lady, you know, right? Um, and not not this strong, powerful, clothed, you know, woman who was so self-possessed and everything. She looked really, really vulnerable in that moment. And then the season kind of ended with her being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's a good other sign to her, other side to her. And I think that's also a running theme with the ladies, uh, especially Cersei, Sansa, and Arya, of at the end of season five, largely they were without power, mm-hmm without yeah. agency, without dignity for Sansa and Cersei. And so to end season six with Cersei on the Iron Throne, Sansa basically responsible for taking back Winterfell, and Arya cutting off a girl's face and then killing Walter <laughs> Frey was so good. It was just so good. And it's especially for Sansa, in my opinion. Like, as someone who you know read the books and watched the show throughout all the seasons... Did any of us think like that little bratty, shallow princess Sansa would watch a guy get his face eaten off by a dog? No. <laughs> no. 
Like so, she would scream and go, ew, oh my yeah. god. Like she and would run near the dogs. Like no. so it's it's been really awesome to see um the evolution of characters. And Danny too. I mean Danny's all Danny has had a more upwards or a more steady progression of what a badass she is. And I think um especially after season five, season five was really, really rough on the female characters. And I actually had yeah. to stop watching for a few weeks in season five because I just it was I was very disturbed. And especially with Sansa marrying Ramsay Bolton, and um, I just—it was very hard. So I'm—I'm I'm really glad, and I hope they did. Um, I like to think it's in the show notes that um, they did listen to fan criticism, and I—I I like to think too that George R. R. Martin probably had some criticism as well because he did. He was very public with the fact that he didn't didn't envision that for Sansa. Um, right. So I'm glad that I hope that that was it, or at least. Um, that they took it into consideration. But again, the moments with them would not have been as satisfying without the bad moments. Without I was just going to ask if you felt that back validated. Because I think that was, we were, I even mentioned that last season on when we were just doing the odd Game of Thrones uh, episode last season. I'm like, if, if, all, if we get some kind of redemption story out of this, I'll forgive it a little more. It was hard in the moment to, you know, take anything that happened to Sansa as, as, you know, something that could prove positive later. But you, do you feel like, I mean, can you back validate some or all of that, seeing where they've ended up this season? Yeah, I mean, it's just really hard. You know, I, I never want to condone an instance where a female character, or you know, females in real life, obviously, mm-hmm. are uh, brutalized and abused and and raped and. So I, I'm sad that they felt like they had to do it mm-hmm. um, or they should do it to make her story, I don't know, more interesting. I'm not really sure why they chose to go the way that they did. And, of course, it does make it more satisfying that she gets to kill him. But like he said, you know, he is a part of her now. Not in a pregnancy sense. Don't get a, about that. <laughs> no, so you don't, you don't buy into that. I don't buy into that at all. I just know as... So anyone who's abused in that way, in the way that she was, and brutalized, it sticks with you. The mm-hmm. same with Theon. Like, mm-hmm. Theon may go on to be an old man, but the things that Ramsay Bolton did to him remain with him forever. Mm-hmm. And I think what Ramsay really meant was that Sansa was standing there watching mm-hmm. him gonna die. And she would have never been able to do that, I think, before yeah. she met him. Mm-hmm. So, And as sad as it is, but I'm, I'm glad that they have... Uh, put more care into the handling of the female characters this season and let the female characters be the stars and be yeah, badass yeah. and win wars and win battles and win back castles and stuff. So I'm really excited to see season seven also of how their arcs continue oh, badass ladies. What, what a great uh, transition. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is going to happen next year? Do we think Daenerys is going to just land in the very first episode? And begin her invasion? Well, let's look at it. They confirmed, was it today or yesterday, that there are 15 episodes max for the rest of the whole series. And they're probably going to split that down the middle. So we're looking at six or seven next season. Six or seven. I think, no, they're, they're confirmed for seven next season. And then I think there's like six or seven after that the following season. So it's in some ways, it's good because we've seen the, the speed at which they're willing to tell the story. In some other ways, though, and I, someone mentioned this on io9 too, they're just like, yeah, but there's still so much story left to tell. Can they finish in time? Like, or is it going to be like Lost, where we're just sitting here, like, you know, counting down, going, oh god, they got one, you have three left, one left. I hope they do it. You know, do you think? Does anybody have? 
does anybody think they they're they're trying to cram too much in, or is it is it a nice tidy state of affairs that we that we can finish out on? Well, I don't think that they are. I don't. It doesn't seem to me like there is too much story to tell because there's a couple of key things that I think are coming, like the White Walkers crossing the wall. However, that happens, whether the wall comes down or they, you know, go around it somehow or whatever. I think that's a big thing that's going to happen probably next season. And then just finally Danny getting out of fucking Marine and into <laughs> Westeros is the other thing so that, like, you know, there's going to be a conflict when she arrives and then the conflict with the White Walkers and then the two are going to converge and be probably be the last season where mm-hmm. it's, you know, everybody versus the White Walkers and that's kind of the but end they haven't. They haven't spent a lot of time yet. I mean, we got more this season than we've ever gotten, but we don't really know anything about the White Walkers other than that they, you know, the the original ones were were men once. Um, but we don't know, like, I mean, and maybe we don't need to know. Maybe they're just evil, and that's all that that is needed. But do, I mean, do we need to flesh out that threat anymore? Do we need to understand things like if they dare try to do like a, you know, and and Fia, I apologize for a book reference, but the Horn of Winter. You know, does Sam does Sam discover that in Old Town, and that becomes a thing? Like, do we do we do we delve into that lore any, or are they gonna? Do you, you think they're better served by staying, you know, staying a little bit more streamlined? I mean, I hope that they don't try to shoot off too much too far and get too in-depth with any one story because I think it's too late in the game to, like, they shouldn't introduce any more characters. Mm-hmm. You know, they shouldn't <laughs> give us too much backstory of anybody else because I think we should be, like you just said, streamlining. Somebody said efficiency is coming or whatever. Like, where they're just starting to, people are dying off and whatever, and then we get to that end game where it's like the last, five people standing versus the White Walkers or however it plays out. Like I think it should be, you know, becoming more of a pintail where it's pinching down to a point. Yeah. That's the ending point. Yeah. So I hope like I don't really ever want to see Sam's dad again. I know he, they took his sword, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't like Downton Tarleys? I you didn't enjoy our time with them? <laughs> I actually I actually liked that sequence. Like I thought it was interesting. It was fine for me, but I don't need like a side story where he's going after him with the brother and they're, you know, chasing yeah. him and trying to figure out where the sword is. Like, I don't care. Sam needed that sword. <laughs> He's got it. It's yeah. Valerian steel, so clearly it's good for White Walker killing. Let's leave it at that. Mm. <laughs> well, I do have an important question, which is what will what do we think Euron is going to do? Um, mm. uh, oh. I, I would throw that to Emily because um, you and I know a little bit about Euron's story from the book. Yeah, so it's kind of funny, and I've, I've said this a few times, that they've tried to consolidate a few stories, and Euron and the Greyjoys is one of those stories. Of In the books, Euron, obviously, like in the show, is elected king, and he's sort of a dick. And you know what? He's like a pirate. He's like way cooler in the books. So he's like one eye, like where he wears an eye patch, and he has like this. I think he has like a monkey as a pet, or like a bird. Oh, see, they should have done that. That's cool. Yeah, so yeah. he's like he's like a legit pirate, and he has like long hair, and he's like really radical and stuff. And so in the books, he's the one that is like, I'm gonna go get Daenerys. Like I'm gonna propose to her. In the book, in the show, he's ruder about it, but um, in it, so essentially his story is that I'm gonna go team up with this lady and will take back Westeros. But obviously Yara and Theon are doing that now, and I'd much prefer that because Yara is awesome and, and Theon's very good. So um, I don't know what I mean. I'm sure it'll be some sort of like epic 
sea battle, like, between the, the Greyjoy siblings and their uncle, and, you know, maybe some dragons show up and just burn Orange sh- shit down. <laughs> but I don't know, really. Maybe he'll be like, oh, wow, Daenerys is so beautiful. I love her. Like, I'll just, here's all my ships. Here's a thousand ships. Take them. I don't even need anything. Just take well, them. Well, I kind of <laughs> think that because they're on an island and a little bit separate from everyone, that the whole story's going to play out, the White Walkers are going to do whatever, and then he's going to be like, Okay, those ships are finally done. Let's go, guys. And, like, everything's going to be over because there's no way he can make all those ships. <laughs> he's, he's built, he's like on ship five right now. Yeah. <laughs> do, um, do we think we're going to see the, the, uh, well, I guess we already touched on that. We, like, maybe next season is uh, in the Seven Kingdoms and then the end of it is sort of the wall falling down and, um, and the White Walkers really hit him in season eight. I wouldn't be surprised if they knocked it down earlier, though, like mm. kind of like the Jon Snow thing where it's like maybe it opens with that and then that becomes mm. the North problem and then Daenerys is the mm. South issue and mm. those two things play out through that season and then the Convergence is season eight. Mm. But I don't know if they could stretch it out that long. I mean, but, you know, that's maybe. Well, know. in 15 episodes, maybe, maybe they uh, can make it pretty tidy. I mean, it is a truncated season, so seven episodes can go really fast, as we know. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could play that out, I, I would think. But That's a great – I never considered that, though. Because I was always of the opinion that the Ned's head next season is going to be the wall comes down. And then that's – you know, that will just shock the hell out of everybody. But, it, but you're right. They ha- the efficiency is coming. Um, hashtag, like, that gets fulfilled a lot faster if they just cut to the chase. And maybe it's such – and think about this. Maybe the wall – maybe the horn of winter and the wall falling down – as cool as it would be to see, maybe it's just it's too expensive. Or there's like we're not going to deal with that. And instead, we've got Bran, who we've already seen can basically once he's been touched by them, he can basically invite them, you know, unintentionally invite them into wherever he is. Maybe his crossing the wall is that invite, and that's right. The, that's right. what sets that emotion. And they all it could even through. they open on that. He he goes through, and then they're like, "Surprise, motherfucker! We can get through now." <laughs> yeah, jokes yeah. on you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I hope they use those exact terms. Yeah, <laughs> that's those are the first words the white the Night King said. <laughs> <laughs> We're like we've waited this whole time. What words is, is he? Is he? You know, what what wise ancient things is he gonna say? <laughs> I think we've just proven that if I were writing the show, it'd be a much much better show. <laughs> of course, of course. I want to see that show. Fia, what do you think is gonna happen next year? I am just no. I'm just gonna stay curious <laughs> and, a and nice, you have, you have a no nice predictions. I no. I don't know. I mean, I have. I they're on such a small scale, like little stupid stuff. So it's not not anything on. How are they going to you know fully you know take over? I think it's. There is, it's kind of complicated for me right now. Where are they going to start? How is this going to end? Who's going to have the upper hand? There's a lot of power plays involved right now. There's a lot of very strong characters now dominating big groups. So how is this all going to shake down? Because before it was such you know, it was such a mess and it was so disjointed and who was really controlling what and didn't seem like anybody had control over anything. So they finally created their clusters and now, how is that all going to shake down? I'm not going to lie. I don't care for the White Walker storyline. It's that over-the-top fantasy piece that kind of takes this 
a step too far for me. Like, I hate when there's an element of, like, ultimate superpower that, like, mm -hmm. oh, how are we going to win? And it, then it gets a little too a little too fantasy, if that makes sense. So, um, I think a lot that, of people felt that about the time travel element with Hodor, you know? Yeah, yeah and there's just this... Um, I don't know. They they all kind of look the same. There's no real character build around them. True. They're all super powerful and strong. You can only kill them one way. And I don't know. I just I don't know how I feel about a bunch of zombies running through human beings, slaughtering them all is going to conjure any kind of satisfaction or you know just closure. It's a little annoying. So yeah. that's that's one part that's gonna bug me if they draw that out too much. I kind of don't like they do. I like that they don't follow the White Walker storyline as much as this whole thing alluded to when the very first opening scene of the whole entire series was a White Walker. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just was I was very, you know, I'm I'm satisfied with that and I hope they don't they don't they don't uh hammer on that aspect too much. But I think uh you know, I definitely think Daenerys is, is going to have an upper hand here. It'll be interesting to see how she plays off of um, Cersei, you know, who's going to be the bigger bitch uh, of the bunch. <laughs> and then also how... Um, how it's going to shake down, like, is John going to fall in love with Danny? And they're going to be like, just kidding, we're related. Like, what do you do there? And are they going to say, you know, uh, are they going to have a power struggle? Because he's now, you know, commanding authority and respect, and so is she, and she's, she's gen you know, generally power hungry. So I don't... And I don't, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of... Uh, you, raise a, a you raise a good point, though. He has to be told he's Targaryen at some point. And what, right. what provokes that, that information being revealed to him? Exactly. So it's going to, I don't, something's going to happen there. It has to. Now that, like, why would they point that out to us if it's mm -hmm. not going to be revealed? So well, wouldn't the only person that would be capable of that be Bran? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So yes. It, okay. So then yeah. the question is, did Bran fully understand what he saw? Like, okay, he knows that that's his aunt Lyanna, and then he can maybe extrapolate that that's John, but he doesn't necessarily know who the dad is unless he has super whisper hearing powers and heard <laughs> stuff that we couldn't hear. So, does he know who his dad is? Great and question. Would yeah. he be? I mean, would I, I guess you could kind of assume because. She was well, kidnapped, there'll but. probably be another episode, and there'll be some dialogue with him, and that you know that'll be exposed if he understands it or not. But I don't know. I don't think they would waste their time going there with that storyline if they're not going to open it up again. You know, have him realize or be told the truth. Like another follow-up um, vision yeah. or something, maybe. And then, it cre and then, you know, Danny and John are going to have this alliance, and then it's going to be challenged with, okay, no, who's really in charge here when they realize there's a common denominator between them. Right, right. Well, another thing with the North and why I think that possibly, um, you know, the wall might come down early in the season is now that 
John and Sansa have taken Winterfell back, what is their conflict if not yeah. for the wall coming down? Like, what they're not going to just be like, okay, we just got Winterfell back, now we're out of here, let's go. Like, <laughs> something has to come at them, and if it's another siege from some other family, like that, that's boring. We've seen that yeah, how many times now. I don't yeah. need to see like the remnants of the Bolton family or whoever's left <laughs> coming. Hey, we want that back. Like that's dumb. Well, and they've they've proven that they don't really like to rehash those things more than once. Yeah, like, so you know. I would think that it's got to be the the wall and and the White Walker. Yeah. You know, otherwise they're just gonna John's just gonna be sitting there like brooding. Like what what else <laughs> does he do? I guess is the question. I'm a fan of that. I like that. Yeah, well, that's a good point. It's a really good point. Yeah, and I had some book question for you, Emily, and I totally forgot oh, okay. what it was just now. No. <laughs> I w well, I was going to make a comment because I, I am a really firm believer in this John and Danny alliance for a lot of reasons. But oh, the main that reason question. is that for his whole life, John has not felt like a part of a family. And like he, especially once he learns that he's a secret Targaryen, I, I think really he un will fully understand his place in the world and who he is and i think mm -hmm. he'll he'll look to danny as this family he never had and i think they'll kind of look to each other as that they had their families essentially taken from them and mm. and that they can rally around that of these people took our family from us Mm -hmm. And that you know they they take out Cersei whatever and then because they one of them or both or all of them or neither are the prince princess that was promised then they go together to fight mm -hmm. the dead and wield the flame sword and the dragons and and <laughs> they are the ultimate mm -hmm. conquerors and winners of the Game of Thrones is is my theory and and how it's spread out against two seasons I'm not quite sure but I do like that idea of that the wall comes down pretty early and creates an ultimate conflict for the north and then you know the southern squabbling of who gets to sit on this stupid sword chair seems so dumb at that point <laughs> well now that I'm thinking about it, I'm sitting here kind of I'm thinking through it as you guys are talking and and maybe it's the wall comes down you know that becomes a problem for the north John does his best to try to deal with it he hears stories of this chick that comes across that has dragons, she has fire, she's she's kicking ass, and he's like, we've got to get her into the battle because we need the dragons, you know. And, and, and Ringo Starr joins the battle. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, they're going to be like, well, she's not going to listen to you, she's not going to blah, blah, blah. And then the Targaryen reveal, he's like, she's my aunt, let's do this, get the dragons, White Walkers, blah, blah, blah. That's end scene. Yes. Brian, I'm going to cast you as John in my local production of Game of the Stupid Sword Chair that I'm going to put on here. <laughs> Stupid Sword Chair. Game, dude, you have to get a shirt that says that, and I will wear it to Comic-Con. Game of the Stupid Sword Chair. <laughs> it's epic. Hashtag Stupid Sword Chair. Emily, do you subscribe to the, uh, to the three-headed dragon? Do you think John is going to oh. ride a dragon? <clears throat> Yes, I do, um, because that's just necessary. Uh, that's kind of their whole bit as Targaryens. And also, um, I do want to point out, Targaryens marry their brothers and sisters, so mm -hmm. to have an aunt and a, a nephew... That's, like, um, way separate. That's, so that's cool. like, that, that would be okay, apparently. They're complete yeah. strangers. Yeah, and so, the, but the third head of the dragon is obviously still a mystery, and that's kind of... I hope that that gets resolved. There is one really big... Well, not big, medium size, I suppose, or small, as as the real deal is. Can you close your ears? No, I, I think theory. I've heard this already. Yeah, she came home today. She came yeah. home today and announced. Someone told me that 
Tyrion's a uh, Targaryen. Yes, <laughs> so yes. there you go. Yeah, Hashtag yeah, never Tyrion. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that out there one final time. Yeah. That's, a, that's a theory. There's also like in the books. There's like a maybe that one of Rhaegar's other kids like survived and Varys is hiding him somewhere. But we haven't seen him in the show, and so I don't think they're gonna go that route ultimately. But I'm I'm glad you brought that up because the Varys thing as a reader has been a little confusing the last couple seasons because. I think we realized, like, oh, they can't bring in that whole young Griff plot yes. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I did especially like him landing in Dorne, um, and I hadn't thought about this when Taylor and I talked about it the other night, this, this last episode in particular, but how when Tyrion sent uh, um, Myrcella to Dorne originally he constructed this plot like where he told several people that he was sending her to a different kingdom and then he knew whoever ratted him out to Cersei would be the person he couldn't trust and it was This Varys. is in the book? No, 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 this was in like season 2 or the whatever when, Oh, I just yeah, don't remember. Okay. So Varys Cersei comes to him and said I heard I heard you're shipping my daughter off to Dorne and he knows that um Varys is the one who ratted on him. Um but it's possible that Varys did that on pur- on purpose to sort of bring this whole Dornish-Targaryen alliance together right then. Mm. Hmm. Like, they, maybe they planted the seed back in Season 2, is what I'm suggesting, that Varys was really controlling it all. Can Varys just be the third dragon? Because that would be fucking awesome. Oh, he can't do that. Awesome. He's a merman. Awesome. <laughs> I would love to see his bald head flying on a dragon and shooting fire everywhere. Yeah. That would be so awesome. <laughs> That would be super cool, because we really don't know, I mean, to be honest. And, like, especially what um, Melisandre, or no, no, the other red woman, like, said to him about when he got his, like, jump right. off yeah. as a yeah, child. Yeah, there's some mystery. Yep, Yeah, that's right. like, like he, he heard a whisper in the flames, and maybe it was telling him, like, you're a secret Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just sort of looked at her like a confused kitten, too. Like, he didn't say anything. He just like, what? And he's like, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, we yeah. have blown through our tight hour podcast, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I have one really important question to ask everybody. Will we ever see Hot Pie again? <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar. Do we think that Brian and Pod on their rowboat are going to find Gendry in his rowboat? Mm. And then they're going to play this, chicken? Yeah, <laughs> the game of rowboats. Um, I guess that's nobody. another shirt I will wear a game of rowboats shirt it's going to be like medieval times on rowboats <laughs> yeah. robot well, was, jousting was there anything that you wanted to see this season that did not happen Brian go uh, dude I'll, I'll end it this way every time there's an end episode of a season I always hit my fist into the ground and say son of a bitch it's going to be what, 13, 14 months before I see another episode, and I'm angry. <laughs> this time, I was like, damn. But then I was like, God, that was satisfying. And I, I haven't really been stressed about it. So yeah. this, here, here. I think, proves what a wonderful season this was. Fia, anything from you? No, I no, I agree. I think it's been it's been perfectly done. I but I I actually don't agree. I hate the gap between seasons. Oh, it's so long. It's like <laughs> well, why I do I feel it, like American Idol is constantly on and everything else is constantly <laughs> running year round, but like the best shows are a year apart. It's infuriating. <laughs> Emily, was there anything you wanted to see that you that didn't happen? 
Yeah, I really wanted to see Lady Stoneheart. She's so cool, man. Oh, she just like yeah. she doesn't even talk. She just like hangs people. Like it would have been cool, but I get why they didn't include her, and and it's fine. But yeah, I I I, I um I totally agree with Brian and Fia of like. Again, like usually, I'm like, God, mother, why is yeah. this so long? Why is this so expensive? Like, but this, I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, I'm excited. Like, I'm pissed I still have to wait a year. But I do feel like, wow, this is like my first like sigh of relief. Like, this is the everything I could have hoped for in a season for all the characters I love and all the characters that I hated. So this was so good. Taylor, how about you? I second Brian. I think if anything, today, yeah, I, I'm seriously you're, like you're this, forcing Brian at this it's, point. It's the first time I, I, you know, they put this wonderful bow around, it, like we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. I, part of me almost wonders too if, if Benioff and Weiss weren't, you know, it weren't sort of in the background going, "All right, you assholes, take this. Are you happy now? Is this, are you going to be happy for a year while we do?" You know? Shut up, finally. Yeah, yeah, because it just felt like, oh, okay, and like everybody's kind of like. <laughs> Gone about their day, and yeah, you know, it's like we'll just we'll hang out until they're they're ready to go again. You better give us Lady Stoneheart. Well, how about this instead? Eat his face, dog. Eat his face. <laughs> we're like, okay, okay, we're fine. Never mind. Well, I I totally agree with everybody. That was uh, and Taylor and I said that in our our episode the other night that 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 was like the first time that a season ended where I felt satisfied with the whole ending. And so, yeah, I, I can't say there was anything I wanted to see that didn't happen. I really thought Lady Stoneheart was going to make an appearance. But, uh, I know. Uh, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay as well that it didn't happen. Um, so that that's going to be my, my wrap-up right there. Um, thank you all so much for joining uh, me and Taylor. Yeah. This, um, yeah, this was super fun. This was um, fun. I, <laughs> we we got to do more of these. Um, and, and next time I'll, I'll let Taylor be the moderator so he can try to keep it oh, an hour. No. I think next time we should just go for a six-hour window because I could talk all night long like this. <laughs> he really could. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll, this, uh, the traditional way we end this is that uh, we plug ourselves. Um, Emily, I, I promised I would uh, um, let you plug, plug away, so go for it. Oh, yes. So as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, I'm a co-host on the Assembly of Geeks podcast, which you can view or listen to on Wednesdays on iTunes and the Assembly of Geek website and among other places. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Emily Kelly, and you can also find me on YouTube on occasion if you just search for Wrong Button Media. Awesome. Brian and Fia, uh, would I, do either of you have public projects you would like to hype or just talk about your children or anything yes, like that? Yes, you can find me walking around the Comic-Con floor wearing a shirt that says Game of the Stupid Sword Chair. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see that dude, say hi. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Taylor, I'll put um, it to you. As always, I'm at Taylor Trask, T-A-Y-L-O-R-T-R-A-S-K, on Twitter and wherever uh, fine podcasts or, or listen to uh, ToddandTaylor.com, etc., etc. And I am at HeyToddA on Twitter. Um, yeah, and again, thank you all for joining us. Um, that was super fun. We should probably just do a summer Game of Thrones like rewatch where we yeah. talk about it every other week. Um, but for those of you listening at home or in your car on your phone or whatever, um, if you want to do a rewatch and go back through Wednesday and Westeros, you can have that uh, you know accompaniment of our podcast because we now have a preview and a full season and a wrap up. 
So uh, Taylor and I feel pretty accomplished about that. Well, let's That's just hope good. this records. That'll be the punchline. <laughs> is when I when I <laughs> when I email you all later no, tonight, I'm like, you'll never believe this. Say that. Don't even suggest that. <laughs> all right. I'm well, down for I'm down for a redo. Yeah.